Welcome to Scintillations, the podcast where we explore hot takes on the business of branding, consumers, and culture. Each week, we talk to the top minds from businesses shaping tomorrow, cultural thought leaders, and people with an eye out for what's next. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or simply curious about the forces shaping the world of consumer business, we've got you covered. From the latest trends in consumer behavior, to the cutting-edge strategies used by the world's top brands, we'll unpack it all, giving you the insights you'll need to stay ahead of the game. So, join us for scintillating conversations that will help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of modern business, including developments in artificial intelligence tools, like this voiceover. And now, your host, award-winning brand builder, Erica First. Hi, Catherine. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Erica. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So in Catherine Montgomery, as you said, I'm in Washington, D.C., which I have to say is the greatest city in the U.S. I'm originally from the South. I went to uh, undergrad in the South at Auburn University, War Eagle, and I knew from the beginning that I wanted to be in public relations. So as soon as I graduated, I moved to Atlanta and I started at Edelman. And absolutely loved it. I also worked at Porter Novelli for several years, worked at their Atlanta and D.C. offices, moved to Burson Marstellard. So obviously, you know, along the agency train of going to different ones. And I worked in the cruise industry for a little while, which is very interesting. I continued my love of crisis communications there. You can just imagine how many crises there are in the cruise industry. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then I, you know, started to realize that I wanted to go back to that agency atmosphere. And, but I wanted to use my skills to improve society, improve the world, help communities. And so I went to a startup in Boston and worked on union work and progressive causes. And last year ended up meeting a venture capital firm that only invests in public relations agencies and started my agency better together. So it's been a whirlwind. Amazing. Well, you've certainly, you know, done the tour of all the best ones. So you have incredible background, which is great because today we're talking about crisis PR and what companies can do when they've accidentally put their foot in their mouth or stepped in it. So what's an example of a company that has gotten into trouble and has done it well? Like what, what are some of the, the must do's that you would offer as suggestions to anyone who's, who's made a mistake and gotten themselves into a PR crisis? Sure. I would say a really recent one is Southwest. If we all remember in December, Southwest was really going through it. It was like storm of the century in the U.S. and Everybody was stuck at the airport. All these flights were canceled, but it especially hit hard for Southwest, which you would think after that, you know, maybe their customers aren't as loyal. But I remember a reporter was in an airport, asked a man if he would still fly Southwest. And he was like, oh, yeah, like I'm totally flying Southwest. And that's when you know you have great brand reputation. He was going to miss his family, going to miss Christmas, the holidays. But he was still loyal to Southwest. And that is what brands really need to have is that loyalty from their customers that even in the face of a crisis, 
they're able to take that and use it in the future to say, you know, our customers are very loyal to us. We need to continue what we're doing. We don't need to make this mistake again, but uh, we know that they're true to us and that, you know, we can mess up once or twice. I think a key for Southwest, though, is that they have to show how this isn't going to happen in the future. So communication to their customers and to others saying this is the, what we're going to do technology-wise to improve our systems. Because it was because they hadn't updated their systems since the 90s that uh, they weren't able to handle all of the different changes in flights. And so uh, keeping customers updated what they're doing is so key to ensuring that they continue having that trust in them. Um, so that's, I would say Southwest just did a great job beforehand of building that trust. So it's not in a crisis when you build it, but it's beforehand. And that's just so vital for brands and companies to understand is that preparation is key to keeping that brand image and that reputation management intact uh, during and after a crisis. And that's actually really interesting because I, uh, we talk about what you can do afterwards usually, but there is a lot that can be done before, which is to build brand loyalty. Now, let me bring up a situation that's happening right now, which is very prickly from a number of points of view, which is the Bud Light situation. Now, there we have a brand that had a lot of loyalty from their audiences and and did something, I don't know if intentionally or it's just a, a step out of character. Um, and they have, as a response to everything that that has happened around that, put two of their executives on leave, which is, I assume, an appeasement to their core target. What do you think about that situation? Oh, so many thoughts. But I love to say, know your audience. And I know that Bud Light knows their audience, but how far you can push is so important. And they push just a little bit too far. I think, you know, a lot of companies are trying to find that balance of, okay, we have this type of audience that only leaves a certain way or thinks a certain way. But how can we try to make, you know, put in some social impact, some social good into our brand, into our messaging? I think if they had done it a little bit more gradual than at once, as they did with the influencer, maybe would have been a little bit better. And I'll come back to that in a second. I want to talk, if I remember, <laughs> I want to talk about the putting the executives on leave because I have... In my mind, there are four steps that every company has to do to sort of recover from when they've made a mistake. And the first is 100% own it, you know, not not run away from it. Say, this is what we did. You may not understand it or we may not have, but obviously it's upset you. And so we apologize for that. The second is to say how you're going to adjust or explain in some hand. But the one that I find that is most necessary that most companies get wrong is the sacrifice, right? You have to make some sort of sacrifice to, to the community. And so I feel like they put those people up as a sacrifice, which is, is debatable from an ethical, moral standpoint of view. But obviously to their target audience was like, yes, okay, we're sorry we've fired the people who did it, which is 
nonsense because those people don't have free reign <laughs> of decision power. What's your take on on the need for sacrifice? And is it okay if it's symbolic? Fair, not fair? Yeah, and I'm sure everybody right now is watching Secession, and I just went back and watched all the episodes. And it's like everybody was sacrificed in that show, but they always end up in the same problem of right. who's going to be next or what do we do wrong? Or now the media is saying this, or we have protesters outside. And so obviously the sacrifice doesn't really work. It's the solution. It's what you're going to do about it. Those people are in the background. They wouldn't have even, people probably wouldn't have even remembered them after a while. You know, they, they're doing their job. They're not really in the news. Just like with Fox News and Tucker Carlson, like, what are they going to do in response to him leaving? Like, how is the network changing? How is Bud Light going to respond after these people leave? I, I agree that I don't really think the sacrifice of employees or others really makes a difference. It's the actions that take place behind it and how they truly change instead. And so let's talk about another one that's because there's so many nowadays. Miller Knoll, the CEO, the woman who was in in her all hands meeting, who told everyone to get out of Pity City, that they can't stay there too long. Whose first response when that clip got shared everywhere was that it was taken out of context and it wasn't fair. And so she kept like pushing, pushing, pushing. And now after, well, I guess it's two weeks She's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, right? Because uh, the first thing that I saw was CEO with $4 million bonus tells employees who can't get a 2% raise that they shouldn't live in Pity City, right? <laughs> yeah. That whole situation was handled miserably. What's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think we all have an emotional stake in the news that comes out about us, especially. And so we get on the defense at first. And it's hard to admit when you're wrong, especially when you're in a senior level position. I actually was consulting with an organization and there were some articles coming out that were very true. And <laughs> it's a good, it was a good, a good organization. They were doing great work, but the articles that were coming out were true when they weren't easy to read and the team emotionally wanted to go in the defense immediately put out a statement saying how horrible this publication is all this stuff so having that me as a third party in there who isn't as emotionally involved to say like okay no let's wait let's let's like think about this let's talk about this strategy because it's just gonna come back and bite you if you just go on the defense and i think it's the same in this other situation where she needed to take a beat, take a second, and then respond and think about it from another person's point of view. And that means bringing in maybe sometimes other people to help you with strategy. And so she was probably in an emotional state of like, I'm in charge and I am doing things right. And I, how else did I get here? People have to trust me. And really, that was definitely the wrong move to make. That tends to be an instinctive response. And I would say that any company in existence today that doesn't have a crisis PR team on speed dial is uh, almost an insurance liability. Uh, yeah. you know, every month there's another company that comes out who just shows that they don't have the humility 
to admit that they don't know how to deal with it. And I can always tell when someone's got a good PR team working for them or when they have no one. Yeah, right? but it's pretty ironic in that Bud Light, they fire people and kind of their audience is like, okay, like, so I guess it really does depend on who you're speaking to, kind of, I guess, who you're speaking to and what they expect from the company what kind of solutions they can blame it on someone else and sometimes it's totally fine and sometimes it's not so that's it that's another important point is that every case is not the same right and that you have to analyze your audience and uh your message and where you are in the world and all those factors when considering responses during a crisis well i especially think with when the public is involved and it's a highly emotional thing the public wants a head on a stake. They want to see, you know, give me something to make this pain go away. And it's yeah. usually a firing because they don't accept like you've upset me, do something about it. And when there's no retribution or there's no sacrifice coming from the company, they feel like nothing's changed. They haven't been seen. And so they get mad and they go against that company. It's like, all right, I'm not going to buy from you anymore. I'm going to burn your shoes or I'm going to... yeah shoot the wrong yeah. brand of beer <laughs> yeah. but you are right in saying that it's not necessarily about sacrifice so much as an actual solution it's like okay well what are you doing to fix this many of the times companies you know because unfortunately their news cycles are short right and so you mess up on page one but then the apology or the correction gets posted on page 12 right no <laughs> yeah. And a lot of companies take advantage of this because they put out their correct, here's what we're going to do about this. But then, of course, we move on to the next thing and, and we forget and we don't ever check up on whether it's happened or not happened. What happens to a company that says they're going to do something and then doesn't do it? Honestly, I think that they are fine. In today's world, I think that they survive because... Uh, I mean, going back to Southwest, if they don't come out and say, you know, what they're doing to upgrade their technology, who's who's like writing about it? Who's saying like what happened with Southwest? You know, who's going to hold them accountable? The same with um, 20. Uh, so many companies gave millions of dollars to what we thought black we thought black communities to support them. But we don't know where that money went. A lot of there was a Washington Post article that came out that said that most of the money didn't even go to the black community. But again, besides that article, who was holding these companies accountable? Who went to them and said, where did your money go? How did you use it? How did you help these communities? And it happens over and over again where companies are able to just put out a statement to say, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and nothing happens. I mean, thing for governments, thing for a lot of things in that um, there's no follow through because people move on. That's one thing that I'm really focused on is making sure companies walk their talk. We're all tired of people just saying a lot of stuff and not really doing anything. And that's holding us back from moving forward. But again, we have to put it on ourselves as well to hold these companies and organizations accountable. Are there any sort of watchdog groups that are growing up around that to see if companies are following through on what they're doing? I mean, I suppose it was the role of journalists once upon a time, but there's just <laughs> so much happening at the same time everywhere that investigative journalism is very difficult today. Again, they're definitely, they're ton, especially in DC, there's tons of watchdogs out there, but it's how public are they being with 
with the public about those things that aren't going the direction that a company said they were going in. Like, mm-hmm. So they'd be going to the company and saying, hey, you promised you were going to do X, Y, and Z, but it's not being made public. And it's not, it's maybe they're having a meeting or they're putting out a report, which honestly no one's going to read that report. And I think that's, it's about being inclusive and including everyone in responses or what's not being done or how things are being done. Um, but again, it also comes down to us holding um, these companies accountable. So, and we do do that in, in ways. I think some people boycott buying products from a certain store or doing things like that. But again, it lasts for a minute, like with Adidas and Kanye West. People didn't buy Kanye's shoes, but now that is kind of over. And I'm sure that if he probably came out with another brand, people would buy his shoes. So it's just a lot of things like it's, you know, 24 hours and then nothing really happens. Is there any, to that point, is there a company that never came back from their PR crisis? Oh, goodness. Likely. This is on the spot. Uh, I can't really think of it over my head. Can you think of any? No. <laughs> Which I think is telling. No, I, I think they're individuals who have fallen and not yeah. been able to come back. I know there are. But when it comes to complete brands, reputationally, I don't know that they have fallen. I will say that companies that are maybe more focused on a social impact cause are not given as much leeway. If a Patagonia were to say, oops, we were actually using non-sustainable products in all of our clothing, although that almost their entire brand is wrapped around sustainable clothing. I don't know that they could be given the same forgiveness as, you know, another clothing line that doesn't give those claims. I think there, obviously, it's a question of trust, right? So you sort yeah. of expect corporations to misbehave. We we mm-hmm. now are wise enough collectively as a culture to not think that the companies are out there trying to do good. <laughs> so we expect them to get into trouble. And the companies that go out of their way to, co- to convince us or to position themselves that they are doing good, it's way worse it's a much bigger violation of trust because you didn't have to say that but you chose so and this kind of brings me back to the question that i wanted to ask before which is perfect now is should companies take a strong position in social moral ethical issues i would say it's tough question to answer it depends on your brand some brands they don't need to they you know it's like a bud light they don't need to come out with a statement around a social issue because it's not what their audience wants them to do but if you've been a a brand that's been around for decades and you haven't been doing that i think starting it won't help in the end so i think it's really comes back again always to your audience always to what they're expecting and responding in that way. So no, not every brand needs to respond to social causes, but I think if you want to have an audience and a reputation that is in support of those, you know, people, underserved, marginalized people, then you do need to respond and respond to all of all of the issues. Right. So if you like you said, if you are about inclusion and that's what your brand is built on, you don't get to then pick and choose the ones you want to defend, right. defend them all, right? 
but perhaps there was a a better approach unless it was intentional because you know there is a whole thing on outrage marketing uh right now where brands are intentionally doing things to get themselves because there was once the PR rule there's no such thing as bad press but do you think that's true anymore because it used to be as long as you're talking about it it's fine they considered it a win uh and this is the age of conversation you know if no one's talking about you then do you even exist but is bad PR good I was actually talking with a, a friend about this because I think we were talking about Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon, all of the news that ha- the media news that happened last week. And it was like, do they want us to be talking about this? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like taking up all of our conversation, talking about Fox News and, you know, the, you know, the lawsuit that they went through and that they continue to go through other lawsuits and all this kind of stuff. So is it good that we're talking about them? Like, I mean, they're taking up a lot of our mind space. The same with, you know, everything that Trump would do was, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened again. But we were still talking about it. We we're still talking about him right. rather than the good the things that we could do instead. So for some audiences, yes, they just want to be talked about. But it depends on what your your goals are. If your goals are that we just want, again, like any type of publicity because we just want to be around and relevant, then sure. But if you uh, want to actually make good in the world, you definitely don't want any bad news. Like I would, for my agency, I would rather nobody be talking about it than be talking about it in a negative way. I want to be known just for my mission and not for anything else that has gone wrong. So I'm going to do my best to stick to that mission. But if you're, you know, some other brand that just wants to be known, period, then sure. Like, what's wrong with bad news? Let's have it. I mean, but how many more people are talking about Fox News than already the millions of people because they were in the, they've been in the news like so much now. And CNN, like how many more people were talking about CNN because of news and stuff like that. So I think sometimes you just want to be known and and that that can be okay for that those brands. But uh, I think for the majority of brands, they want to be known for their mission. They don't want to be known for, you know, sexist or racist or misogynistic ways. I used to say all the time when Trump was coming up, what he's always understood was uh, if you're not in the media, you don't exist. And if the media had not covered him as much in 2015, he would never have been elected. Because it was kind of like we also grew up with Howard Stern back in the day, who was the original sort of villain on the radio. And and I remember one of the reports that said that the people who were Howard Stern fans would listen on average like 35 minutes, right? And the people who are Howard Stern haters listened for 60 minutes because they were so enraged and they wanted to hear what he was next so that they could get mad about it, that this actually ended up being the current PR strategy for many brands, right? Like piss people off. They'll remember you because it's it's provoking a very strong emotion, which is Ultimately, as advertisers and communicators and brands, what you're trying to do, but you don't want to have a negative association unless that's what your brand is built on. But what do we do if we are a kinder, softer, gentler brand to get media space? Yeah, I think as generations change and shift, 
brands are going to be forced to take on this new idea of how can we get people to talk about us because of the good we're doing in the world. And I think people are going to start demanding that. So, you know, Trump's way of thinking that any news is good news is really old school. And there are a lot of those players still in the field, like going by that playbook. But as the years go by, we're going to see that shift. And I think brands can make a difference by and get the news and press they want just by, I mean, honestly, a lot of companies are just doing good things for the world and they're getting noticed, not necessarily maybe in print media, but or, you know, on broadcast, but in blogs and on social media and by word of mouth and by influencers. And if you have organic public relations like that, where people just hear about you, hear what you're doing and share that, then that's more authentic. It's more true than what you might see, you know, through an ad on a podcast or through an ad in a newspaper or from a story. So people believe what they hear from people they know. And by doing that, a lot of brands are being known, like maybe in the background or just different ways of amplifying their voice. So the traditional ways of you know, you're not in the New York Times, so you're not relevant. That's definitely changing. And there's so many other avenues. And I'm finding that there's so many organizations that are doing such great work and all they want to do is be in the New York Times. And that's just not necessarily the play anymore. There's so many other ways to get donors, to make an impact and to do that. And that's through just social media, getting out there in communities and figuring out where your audience is when they're not necessarily reading those types of newspapers right now. Please tell everybody where they can find you if they're interested in learning more about you and your services. Sure, sure. So my agency is Better Together. Uh, we're a social impact focused agency. And, you know, recently launched in January, actually, we're backed by a venture capital firm called MXP Ventures. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find the agency Better Together on LinkedIn. And our website is The Better Together. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. It was super interesting. Of course. Thanks for having me. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Erica.